Amen. Good morning. How you doing? Go ahead and give somebody a high five. Welcome to church at the bridge. It is so good to see you. High five, high five, high five, high five, high five, high five, high five. All right, lots of high fives. All right, so welcome to church at the bridge. It is exciting to have you guys here. For those of you that don't know me, I am Pastor Jose. I am the lead pastor here. And we are, we have the privilege today to share some things from the Word of God. Now listen, I don't want you to take this lightly. We're talking about God's Word. We're not talking about my opinion. And the goal of today is simply to challenge what we think and what we know to be true. And what we want to consider is this. What I want to encourage you to consider is this. Is what I believe actually the truth? Is it true? Is it really true? Does it really work? Is it really giving me the very best for life? Is it really revealing in my life God's will, God's purposes, God's plan for my life? And so last week we started a series that we are entitled Unstuck. Unstuck. And what we're doing is we're looking at the book of Galatians. And it's a letter from this guy named Paul who was a church planner called an apostle. And Paul went from region to region and he shared the good news of Jesus Christ and people's lives were being transformed. And one of the regions that he went to was this place called Galatia. It was from, uh, it was a people who were of uh, descent from a place called Gaul who were settled by the Roman Empire in this place that they called Galatia. Right? And so Paul went there, and he ministered to these people. He shared life with them. He taught them the word of God. He pointed them to Jesus. He simplified relationship with God, with the gospel. And these people thrived. And the underlying theme of his letter, known as Galatia, known as a book today, addresses the issue of living life unstuck. See, these people from Galatia... Uh, uh, were started off right. They started off in relationship with God, but then some things started going wacky. And the book of Galatians is all about living free, living free from the things that rob us from a genuine relationship with God, living free from the things that rob us of fullness of life, leave, living free from the things that dim the road ahead that God's promises uh, promise to, to brighten. And so now I know uh, that... Uh, you know, have you noticed that uh, when you start down this road of kind of like seeking God, seeking a relationship with God, that some things start to change. Some things start to change. Some of you can identify with that. Some of you, you might struggle with that. That's okay. Wherever you are, what I want you to begin to consider is what does it take to get unstuck? To get unstuck, right? To get past where I'm stuck in life, to get past these mindsets, to get past these challenges, to get past the past, right? And when you start serving God, things start to change, and to some people it might seem a little weird. So kind of for example, have you noticed how weird people are dressed in here today? You notice that? I want you to think about this. You're all wearing your clothes the same way. That's weird. It's weird. It's completely weird. It makes no sense. Now, I I don't know about you guys, but uh, I'm starting to get the idea that maybe something I'm saying is weird to you. Right? Oh, Oh, let me guess. Is it because I'm wearing my clothes inside out? Is that why? Is that why? Look, for many of us today... 
how I'm dressed makes absolutely no sense. You wouldn't do it. The proof is you're dressed right side out. And I'm dressed inside out. But I wanted to start off with a visual of what life is supposed to look like. Because we live life backwards. We live it in response to what the world tells us. We live it in response to the things that come our way. We live it in response to our past uh, experiences. We live it in response to what the general consensus say. We live it in response to uh, what we've been taught, what we've seen, what we've heard. And the truth is that it literally robs us of life when we live life reactively. We're supposed to live life proactively. We're supposed to live life from the inside out. And so last week, as I said, we began examining the first chapter of Paul's letter. And what we saw was that as he's writing to these people in Galatia, he's addressing this issue that, man, you started off right. And somehow you're, you're in a place where you don't belong. I was saying last week how, uh, you know, it's kind of like in a car when you're driving your car and you just kind of pull slightly to the left just a little bit. And you go, oh, it's no big deal. I'm between the lines. But if you keep going long enough, far enough, just slightly to the left or to the right, what you'll end up seeing is that you'll find yourself in places you never thought. You'll end up with results you never wanted. See, it all, all it takes is to veer a little to the left or to the right. And so Paul was addressing this issue that the Galatians started off with full confidence in God's love and God's power for them. They were confident that the change that they were to experience, the life that was promised to them, that, they, that it resided in their confidence in God and getting to know him. And then all of a sudden, they begin to deviate. You see, these Jewish Christians come around and they say, hey, we believe in Jesus too, but have you been uncircumcised? How's that for membership? (laughs) You want to be a Christian? We got to, yeah, we got to perform some surgery on you, right? And they begin to talk about all the things that they had learned from the Mosaic law, these 613 laws that they all had to follow. And they said, yeah, I get you believe in Jesus, but... Are you also doing this? Are you also doing that? Are you also behaving in this way? Are you looking the part? Are you dressing the part? Are you acting the part? Are you you exemplifying the part? And so they started deviating from where they first started. And what ended up happening was that they gave up on God's grace. Here's what grace is. Grace is simply a gift that's given to you without expectation of you giving anything in return. It's completely free. And here's what I want us to see, that in this world, we've bought into the mindset that says, I need to improve upon the old version of me. I need to improve upon what I have to work with. The question is, man, if you've gone through a bunch of challenges and, you know, you're struggling with hurt or, or you live in the past or you can't get over certain things or life just seems too big ahead of you, then how do you do that? Because all you have to work with is stuff that doesn't work to begin with. And so you see, that's why we need the grace of God. Because God isn't interested on improving the old you. He's interested in giving us a new life. A brand new life. And so today we're going to dig into Galatians chapter 2. And in Galatians chapter 2, Paul begins by recalling a visit 
that he made to the Jewish Christian leadership in Jerusalem. It was 14 years after he first started his, his ministry. And during this meeting, Paul says that he shared the message with them that was given to him by Christ to take everywhere that he went. It was about the grace of God, and it was all about God's forgiveness, not just for Jews, but for the world. That was the message that Jesus had. I bring good news to the entire world. It was about forgiveness. It was about healing. It was about blessing. It was about righteousness. It was about favor. It was about freedom. And so turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, for a moment to Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 14. I, myself, am going to be reading from the Message Bible. I just love the simplicity of it. And so I'm going to start off at verse 5, and it starts off by saying this. It says, while we were in conference, we were infiltrated by spies pretending to be Christians. Watch this. Who slipped in to find out just how free... True Christians are. Their ulterior motive was to reduce us to their brand of servitude. We didn't give them the time of day. We were determined to preserve the truth of the message for you. So what's happening here? Paul's saying, yeah, we went to this meeting and we started to share this good news with the Christian leadership of the day, the Jews. And these guys come in and they begin to bring their own ideas with the intention of getting us to conform to what they say is right with God. What's true? That's called religion. And so in verse 6, it goes on to say, as for those who were considered important in the church, their reputation doesn't concern me. God isn't impressed with mere appearances, and neither am I. And of course, these leaders were able to add nothing to the message I had been preaching. It was soon evident that God had entrusted me with the same message to the non-Jews as Peter had been preaching to the Jews. Recognizing that my calling had been given by God, James, Peter, and John, the pillars of the church, shook hands with me and Barnabas, assigning to us a ministry to the non-Jews, while they continued to be responsible for reaching out to the Jews. The only additional thing that they asked was that we remember the poor, and I was already eager to do that. Later, later on, when Peter came to Antioch, I had a face-to-face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. Listen closely to this. Here's the situation. Earlier, before certain persons had come from James, who was another uh, leader in the, Christian, uh, in, in the Jewish Christian uh, group of people that were coming up, Peter regularly ate with non-Jews. But when that conservative group came from Jerusalem, he cautiously pulled back and put as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends. That's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that's been pushing the old system of circumcision. Unfortunately, the rest of the Jews in Antioch Uh, in the Antioch church, joined in the hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was swept along in the charade. But when I saw that they were not maintaining a steady, straight course according to the message, I spoke up to Peter in front of them all. If you, a Jew, live like a non-Jew when you're not being observed by the watchdogs from Jerusalem, 
What right do you have to require non-Jews to conform to the Jewish customs just to make a favorable impression on your old Jerusalem cronies? So what we see here is that it's a lot of drama going on, right? As we see here, these religious leaders had a serious problem. They put more emphasis on the outward expression of faith than on a true and genuine one that began on the inside. It was the appearance of godliness. And the scriptures say that we can have the appearance of godliness and deny the power of God thereof. And so there was an inconsistency, there was a disconnect. And as a result, it caused a lot of tension among them and it led to Peter calling, uh, Paul calling Peter out on his hypocrisy. And this tense moment reveals the heart of the matter that many people undergo, not just then, but even today. Notice that the Bible records that Peter was hanging out with the Galatians. He was eating with them. He was sharing life with them. He was, he was talking with them. He was most likely laughing with them. In those days, a meal was more than just a meal. It wasn't like fast food, like when you go to McDonald's. By the way, you need to be saved if you're still going to McDonald's. Let me stop. <laughs> Let me stop. It's just not keto approved for me, so. No, but uh, let's get back to the text. The point here is simply this, that Peter was good with freedom. He was good with these people. He rejoiced, and then all of a sudden, a few select people that were conservative and were mixing relationship with God with acts with an emphasis on adherence to religious rules. A man-made approach. When those people came, what we see is that Peter pulled away. He pulled away. And in pulling away, here's what he was doing. Instead of moving forward, Peter went backwards. You know, that in and of itself is a point to ponder. When you're moving forward with what God wants to do in your life, Man, you're really moving forward. But the moment you begin to pull away and you begin to add things that qualify you before God, it complicates life. See, the thing about it is this. If we're not careful, we can all have the tendency to add to what God wants to do. When I first started coming to church, here's what happened. My wife, uh, back then, we were just talking. She says, come to me to church. And come with me to church. And, and I grew up in church, and so I had a bad experience growing up. I grew up in a very legalistic environment, and so I struggled with that. And so I was hesitant to go. I was hesitant to go. And she could tell you, the moment I walked in that church, it was like I was on pins and needles. Because what I was used to was you had to look a certain way. You had to act a certain way. You had to uh, talk a certain way. You had to get your life together. And so in my mind, it was like, man, I'm, I'm a mess. I don't qualify. And I, I don't think that it was a coincidence. I couldn't tell you exactly what the sermon was about, but here's what I left with that morning when I left that church. I understood for the very first time, and mind you, I grew up in church. There was a connect in my brain, in my heart, where I understood this. God really loves me. That, that, that rocked me. Because in my mind, you can't possibly love me. Everything that I've done, everything that I think about, everything that I go through, every way, everything that I've been through, me? And see, this is what Peter 
did. He adjusted. He went from freedom and grace to, oh, can't be seen with them. Because those people don't qualify. But you see, that's not how God works. And so, lest we judge Peter, we have to consider a question that goes to the core of what happened to him, but also might be happening for us. How do we keep from going back to our old way of living? How do we keep from adding to what God has done? How do we, how do we get unstuck in this regard? I'm so glad you asked that question. Turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Hey, if you don't have your Bible, just follow us here on the screen. It's absolutely fine. It says this, we Jews, we, we Jews know that we have no advantage of birth over non-Jewish sinners. We know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping, but only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. How do we know? Watch this. We tried it. We had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. Convinced that no human beings can please God by self-improvement, we believed in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. Whoa. Listen, back to the question. How do we break free? How do we... How do we keep from going back to an old way of living? How do we keep from trying to add to a relationship with God? How do we simplify this? It begins by understanding the life the gospel makes possible. Listen, relationship with God isn't about changing yourself for him, but about being changed for the better by him. It's a big difference. See, an upgrade is available. An upgrade. Every one of us has it available. But the thing is, it's not something that we're called to do. It's something that we're called to trust God to do. In Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, it goes on to say that what actually took place is this. He says, I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. And so I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how, listen closely to this, and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not going to go back on that. Is it not clear to you that to go back to the old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? I refuse to do that, to repudiate God's grace. If a living relationship with God could come by rule-keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. So watch what Paul states. He states that he spent his life trying to be a lawman. 
In other words, he identified a relationship with God based upon his attendance to a place. His, his adherence to rules. His, his religious monotony, his routine of reading the scriptures and praying certain prayers and doing certain things. And he says, man, I was so busy trying to keep the law that I was missing a relationship. I was missing what this is really all about. And I love what he says in verse, uh, uh, verse 20. He says, I identified myself completely with him. I'll tell you why that's important. Because we all have to consider this. Who do you identify with? Do we identify with mistakes? Do we identify with what we've been told? Do we identify with the hurt that we carry? Do, I, do we identify with sin? Do we identify with, with, uh, with a group of people? See, we all identify with something. And what Paul says is this, man, I was so busy identifying with trying to be right with God that I wasn't right. Can you imagine the weight of that? I got to do this and I got to do that. And I got to go here and I got to go there. It kind of looks like a robot. It doesn't work. And Paul says, I quit that. Listen, whether you believe in Christ or don't, we can all identify with this. Paul is simply saying that he devoted his life to trying to do everything right so that he wouldn't feel wrong. So that he wouldn't feel wrong before God and so that he wouldn't feel wrong before others. And if we can be completely transparent, we've all been there. Trying to be something for someone else. Trying to be something for ourselves. And so, for some of us, that means doing good things. For some of us, it means causing as little harm as possible. Helping people. Striving to do better every day. There's only, prob- there's only one problem with that approach for life. We all fail at it. We all, f- we all drop the ball. We all dropped the ball there. So the question we have to consider is, what's the solution? And Paul brings us to this crucial point in the scripture. He says, I identify with him and I have been crucified with Christ. Now, you got to think about what Paul's saying. I, I, the one who put confidence in in my religion. I, the person who struggled with addiction. I, the person who struggles with how to relate to my spouse. I, the person who wrestled with insecurities in my own hangups. I, the person who put confidence in my accomplishments and my success and the accolades of people. I, that person, he says, that person is dead. In other words, here's what he's saying. I quit trying to do that because that doesn't work for me. It's never gotten me anywhere. I'm tired. And see, you see, a key to getting unstuck in life is the choice to put some things to death. I'm done with that. I give up on that because it doesn't work. And what Paul found was that the key was not to live his life, but instead to embrace the life that Christ wanted to produce in him. Now, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen here. Some of you are going to leave here, and tomorrow you're going to get up and you're going to go to work, 
you're going to put on your clothes backwards. And you know what I'm going to tell you? That's real cool. You do that. Do that. No, seriously. My hope, my prayer is that today you'll look past the outside and you'll see that there's something that God is doing in you on the inside that's not meant to stay concealed, but it's to be revealed. Let God's grace begin to work in your life. And so it reminds me of uh, this uh, particular story in the Bible in the book of Genesis. I believe it's chapter 19. And uh, I'm not going to get into a whole bunch of details because that's just a little point that I want to touch on there. But it's about this guy uh, named Lot. And he lived in, the, in, this, in this region where there were two cities called Sodom and Gomorrah. And there, it, there was a lot of bad stuff going on there, a lot of perversity, a lot, a lot of evil stuff. And, and there was just this complete disregard for God. It was so bad to the point that these people just couldn't be redeemed. There was no coming back from where they were. So God decides, you know what, I have to do away with this because if not, this is going to become a bigger issue. It's unfortunate. And so what ends up happening is this, that... Uh, God heeds to the prayer of a guy named Abraham who happened to be Lot's um, uncle. And God says, you know what? I'll spare them. And so God sends an angel, and the angels show up, and they knock on Lot's door, and they say, hey, look, we're about, this place is about to be destroyed. You need to go. You and your family, get your stuff and go. Don't worry about anything. Leave it all. Just keep going forward. Don't even look back. And so the Bible says that as Lot and his wife and his family are leaving a place of destruction, a place of evil, a place without God, as they're leaving, the Bible says that Lot's wife looked back. I want you to think about what she looked back to. Destruction. Evil. Nothing that was good. She looked back to that. And the Bible says that at that moment, she became a pillar of salt. In other words, she was stuck. Listen closely. God wants you and I to move past looking back. God doesn't want you and I to live stuck. That's what this gospel is about. It's about freedom. It's about freedom. And so Lot's wife looked back, and this is a tragic illustration of what happens when we look to our old life, to anything apart from a relationship with God. We remain stuck. Man, listen, why would you want to look back to whatever that is? Why? Why would you want to stay there? Why would I want to look? And the thing about it is that sometimes we go back down memory lane And we begin to identify with all these emotions and all these feelings and all these experiences. And before you know it, you find yourself there, here, and then you go there. Listen, the life within you is so much better than the one you left behind. Listen closely. It's time to live from the inside out. It's time to begin to identify with Christ with the goodness of God, with the grace of God, with the free gift of God. It's time to stop looking back and start moving forward. And so as we're closing up here, I want to give you just three little things to think about. Three little things about staying unstuck and living free. 
three little things about moving past the past and not looking back and not putting confidence in what you do for God, but putting confidence in what God wants to do and is doing for you even right now at this moment. See, in order to live life in Christ, something has to die. Something has to die. In order to live life in Christ, something has to die. Listen to John chapter 12, verse 24. It says, listen carefully. This is Jesus speaking. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life, just as it is, destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. I want you to get this picture. In order to take hold of the life, to have that new life, you have to open your hand and let go of that which you've been holding on to. Listen. An open hand to God is an open opportunity to change and transformation. It's real life. I love the imagery of what Jesus says here. Here's what he says. To die is to live. That's what he's talking about. He says, look, man, unless you take a seed and bury it and it dies, that wheat of grain. You know what he's talking about? The shell begins to die away. It begins to deteriorate, but in deteriorating, what it exposes is the life within, the fruit, the harvest. Listen, some of you have been waiting on a harvest, not realizing that God's been trying to plant you. Maybe that's the reason why you're here right now. Maybe, maybe this is the reason why you're starting to think differently at this moment and going, man, I've been living the wrong life. I've been identifying with the wrong thing. You might go, man, well, but I don't want to die to my desires. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to give these things up. Let me tell you why it's valuable to die in order to live. Think about this. When was the last time you saw a dead man get mad at somebody? When was the last time you saw a dead man struggle with hurt? When was the last time you saw a dead man prideful or jealous? When was the last time you saw a dead man get offended? Trust me, I've been to some, I've officiated some funerals where some family have got up and said some stuff, and I've never seen a dead man rise and get offended. Let me tell you why I share that with you. Because to die to the old man is to experience life on a whole different level. It's freedom, freedom from those things. This is why Paul states that he was crucified with Christ. He understood the power of dying to his old ways, to his old thinking, to his old manner of belief. See, when we die to our old ways, we die to destructive results. But when we live the new life that is ours by Christ, we reap a harvest of fullness of life. Which life do you want to choose? This one? When nothing 
Nothing can be placed in your hand. Nothing can be received in your life. Or the one where you let go and you can embrace new opportunities, new experiences, a new path. Come on, man. There's freedom in Christ. And so check this out. The first step is die to self. Die to self. What does that mean? That sounds so religious. Let me break that down for you. 1 Corinthians 15, 31 says this. I assure you, believers, by the pride which I have in your union with Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. I face death and die to self. Every day, you and I, we have the choice before us to live a better life. Life with Jesus at the center or with me at the center. I take no credit for this example. One of our, uh, one of our, one of our guys here, Steve, um, did a sermon at a, a, a communion recently. And uh, this guy is, it's amazing the creativity that he has. And so he, he works with wood and building things, but this guy is more about building people. And uh, I thank God. For, it blessed me so much. It's that, that, that illustration just stuck with me for the rest of my life. But he was talking about centering our lives. He's talking about what happens when Jesus is at the center. And so here's what it kind of looks like. Here's the life of God. And here's our life. God has one choice. Me at the center and everything works. We, on the other hand, face multiple choices. And so what he, was, what he was saying was, you know, usually here's what we do. We choose our life and we put ourselves at the center of life. And when we're at the center of life, nothing ever quite lines up with what God wants to do. Right? It doesn't work. He says, but when we put Christ at the center of our lives, everything works. It lines up. There are promises that God has for your life. There are purposes that God has to reveal for your life. There are things that God still wants to do. There's healing still available. There's renewal. There's life change available. And it all starts when we die to self and we line up with Christ. See, when me is at the center of life, not only do we miss Christ, but we miss our purpose. We miss healing. We miss freedom. And every day we can choose to live a new life or we can choose to live an old one. But we can't have both. Listen, you can choose your attitude, but you'll be giving up his character. You can choose your thoughts, but you'll be giving up his wisdom. You can choose what your eyes show you, but you'll be giving up his vision for your life. You can choose your way, but you'll be giving up his paths of peace. Make the best choice today. Choose the life of Christ for you. I'm going to tell you why. Because a man on his face, what am I talking about? A man who lives in reverence to God. A man on his face can't fall from that position. can't fall from that position. You might mess up, but you can't fall. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but watch this. He gets back up. He gets back up. He gets back up. Second thing is, 
Die to the flesh. What does that mean? Let me just read something to you, then I'll clarify that. Galatians 5.24 says this. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and have crucified them there. The term flesh in the original language, here's what it speaks of. It speaks of an old nature. And it's a nature driven by desires, by passions. Thus, what we see here in this simplified translation, what he's saying is, uh, and this is Paul again speaking, he says, I've taken these passions and these desires that are inconsistent with the new life that I now have. And he says, and I've nailed them to the cross. I'm done with them. He paid the price for them. I don't have to carry them is what he's saying. I've crucified them there. But unfortunately, there's this notion that God is the one who does the crucifying in our lives. Let me tell you what I mean. His, in, in religious circles today, here's what we're taught. You come to God. You bring all your burdens, all your hurts, and you put them there at his feet, and God will take them away. I want you to think about this. The Bible says that Jesus became sin that we would become the righteousness of God. But watch where Jesus isn't. He's not at the cross. He left them there. I'm going to tell you why I share that with you. Because there's this notion that exists that I'm waiting on you, God, to crucify these areas in my life. And here's what Paul reveals by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, man, daily, here's what I do. I say, no. Here's what I do. I make a choice to let go so that I can let the life of God work in me. Listen closely. This whole idea of dying to, the, to our passions, to our desires, to our impulses that drive us in a manner inconsistent to where God wants to lead us, that's a matter of choice. And you know what's the beauty of this? That even when we make the wrong choice, he goes there with us. He still loves you there. I love what Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, there's nothing wrong with having desires and passions. Nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with having desires and passions for greatness in your life. We all have them. But just remember that your thoughts and your ways Our thoughts, our ways are limited. They're limited. They're limited. And so instead of living life on impulse by desires and passions inconsistent with God's word and his plan for our lives, we should choose to just get back and sink. Because if they don't, if we don't, after a while, man, living this life on a hamster wheel gets tired. And we're trying to do the right thing and get the right results. But here's the problem. It doesn't work. It doesn't line up. It never will. And so if, if what, you, what, what you are thinking about, if your passions and your desires are, don't align themselves up with God and his word, if you're finding they don't produce peace, if you're finding that you thought it would be good, but it's not turning out good, you know what you need to do? You know what we need to do? Kill them. I'm done with that. I'm done with that. No more. And the last point I want to leave you with here today is simply this. 
comes out of Galatians chapter 6, 14. The point that I want to make to you as we close up is this. Die to the world. Wait, what do you, what do you mean? What, like just be a spiritual hermit? No, that's not what I'm talking about. Not at all. Listen to Galatians 6, 14. He says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. As I said, this doesn't refer to us becoming spiritual hermits apart from everyone. The word world there in the Greek is the word cosmos. And here's what it's talking about. It's talking about a system of agreement and order. It's talking about a government. It's talking about a system by which we fall into the mold and operate. And so here's what he's revealing to us. You don't have to cut off people. But we do have to die to those systems of thinking. Those habits that we so rely on. Those thoughts. You know, you've been here, you've been around here long enough. Here's what you'll know about me as your pastor is that, man, do I have a checkered past. I made a lot of mistakes in my life. I burnt a lot of bridges. I hurt a lot of people. And I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes regret creeps up. Sometimes when I'm talking to a family member and I'm just really just trying to just love on them and, and they... They push me away and they go, no, I know who you really are. That stuff hurts, man. Hurts bad. But I'll tell you something. And these aren't tears of pain, man. In the midst of that hurt, I've come to discover that I can live life joyfully. I'm going to tell you why. Because... I am no longer dominated by the system of thinking of people in this world based upon where I've been or what I've done or what I've said or what bridges I've burnt. This is what dominates my belief system today. Man, God, you love me so much that you paid the price that was mine to pay and by it you set me free. I'm forgiven and I'm loved. I'm significant. I'm important. I matter. I have a purpose. I have a destiny. I'm free. And the reason why I share that with you is because this is the invitation that we have in a relationship with God. You don't no longer have to buy into that system of belief and thinking that tears you down, that pulls you away from the life of God, that leads you in a different direction, that somehow convinces you that this time it'll work, but it never does. The world there is any system that you use in an attempt to make life work for you while stopping the work that God wants to do in you. And this is easier said than done unless we look to God. I leave you with this last scripture. 
Proverbs 4, 23 through 27 says this. Keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. Watch your step, and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither right nor left. Leave evil in the dust. Listen closely. Listen to what it says. It says, you want to avoid all these hiccups in life? It says, guard your heart. This Friday, we had a real funny experience at the house. My wife and my daughter got back from, from the church here. You know, they were with the youth, and I heard they had a blast. Uh, keep bringing your teens, by the way. They, they, they're growing. It's, it's amazing to see what God's doing. But they come home, and I was outside walking one of the dogs. And uh, I, I hear, oh, my God, oh, my God, what is that? Oh, my God. And I'm like, what is going on in the house? So as I'm walking in, my wife goes, there's a bird, there's a bird, there's a bird in the house, there's a bird, there's a bird, there's a bird, oh my God, there's a bird. And I'm like, how did a bird get in the house? Pretty stupid question. I'll tell you why. There was a door that was open. There's a door that was open. I'm going to tell you why I share that with you. Because sometimes we forget that the places where we find ourselves stuck, we open the door. And here's, here's what God says, man. Just keep watch over what you're filtering into your life. Keep watch over what you allow to begin to dictate to you your mindset, your belief system, your perception of who you really are. He says, guard your heart because out of it flow the issues of life. See, God tells us, avoid all these negative results. But to do it, guard the door of your heart, the place of belief. And so let's stand here today as we close out. God's doing something great in you. Hey, here's what I know. The Bible says this, that faith comes... By hearing, and that our hearing comes by the word of God. And so here's, here's what I know, whether you believe in Jesus or not, this is a divine appointment. This is a moment in your life that is a crossroads. This is a point, listen, maybe you've been serving Jesus all your life. Man, praise God, that's awesome, I'm so excited for you, but maybe you're at a place of decision in some area. Maybe God's saying you've gotten stuck and you don't belong there. And I want you to remember the course of your freedom, what I've paid the price for. I want you to live freely. I want you to rejoice again. I want you to live in peace. I want you to have joy. I want you to have purpose. I want you to live with fulfillment. Maybe you don't know Jesus at all. Maybe you knew Jesus at one point and and you just kind of just stepped away. Let me tell you the truth. He never stepped away from you. He never has and he never will. But here's, here's the thing. Or maybe you just don't know Jesus. And if you don't, but today you're saying, man, I've been stuck. But here's what I also see that God made a way for me to be free. I can tell you something with confidence. Every last one of us needs God. We need God. We need direction from God. We need healing from God. We need the strength of God. You've been fighting your own battles. You've been living life on your own terms. And if you have, here's what you know. 
Because we all know it. It doesn't work. It's time to get back to center. Sync up with God today. If you're there right now and you believe, man, God really does love me and I really do believe that God's speaking to me right now, then let me tell you, you are in the right place at the right time and you are about to make a sharp right and you're about to discover healing and purpose and destiny. You're about to see what life really can be. You're about to discover who you really are, not what you've done. If you believe that with us here today, or maybe you just want to get right back on track, then just pray this with us. We're going to pray this with confidence. We're going to join in together. Congregation, let's just pray this all together with everyone here. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe that you died and you rose again. I believe that you paid the price for sin for me. Today I declare you're my Lord. I accept you as my Savior, and I trust you as my God. And from this day forward, I'm moving forward. I'm living life unstuck. I live free. Hey, if you prayed that with us for the very first time, we celebrate what God is doing in your life. Please don't leave here without telling us the decision you've made. Please let us walk alongside you on this journey of faith and life and freedom. Father, we thank you for all this. We celebrate Jesus, and we trust you, Lord, for greater things still. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you, and have a great weekend. We'll see you next Sunday.